Let's have our Awana leaders come and present our Awana awards tonight. This is Allison Holcomb. Allison is earning two red jewels. She learned 25 verses to earn these, and she's going to say our sparky key verse. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Hello, we're the Chums, 34th grade girls, and I have Megan Reed. She's earning uh, for Bible Drill 3 her go tort. All of those that work in Awana. Speaking about Awana, we are going to uh, hold off on having Awana Wednesday night. We had faith Thursday night, and listen, we really got fired up Thursday night in faith. I, we really did. But we had an electrical problem over there, a mast and uh, the flag uh, mast, whatever you call it, electrical there. 
uh, it all just went, it lit up like the 4th of July, so we got to get that repaired. So uh, hopefully, if the weather held off, we would probably be done, but it, they're calling for rain, so we're afraid we'll not have that done by Wednesday night. So there is no power to the Family Life Center. We had to change a lot of things this weekend due to the fact that we had no power over there. So this coming Wednesday night, I need all you Awana workers to help me to get a hold of your Awana kids and uh, let them know that we're not having Awana on Wednesday night due to the fact we're getting the power back on the building. And then once we get the power back on, uh, you're right back in there again. So we hate to do that, but we're afraid that if we say go ahead and we don't get it done, uh, you're going to have about 200 kids out there in the parking lot Wednesday night or in a dark building there. So. Uh, maybe you can get flashlights or something. But uh, anyway, if you'll help us in the Awana in that area there, we'll, we'll go ahead and put that off just to be safe and make sure we get everything done. Now, for faith, Thursday night, even if we do not have the power uh, problem solved, but Thursday night we will have faith. We'll probably have it back in the Couples for Christ. Uh, but uh, as far as faith is concerned, we can actually move that uh, from the Family Life Center into another part, but uh, it would be very difficult with our Awana. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive her offering. And let me also remind you of the, fa of the family conference that is coming up. And if you have not signed up, let me encourage you to do so. All we need you to do is just let us know. Uh, take your bulletin. Take the little card out of your bulletin. Just put your name on there. And uh, just for what it's for, you want to be a part of the family thing. We don't need any money from you tonight. We'll collect that when we have to. But uh, I hope that many of you will participate in this. It will be good for you. And uh, Friday night and then Saturday, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning starts at 8.30, go to about 2.30. We'll have lunch for you that day and then, of course, on the weekend. So I hope all the couples here, regardless of how long you've been married, uh, that you'll be a part of this. And I know it'll be a real blessing to you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to give to you. Honor the Lord Jesus now through our giving. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
standing out. Aren't you glad for the promise tonight that he's coming back for us again? As the ladies play through a few verses here, let's get out, shake hands. You could be shaking hands with somebody one second. The next second, you could be shaking her hands in heaven. Think about that. In the sweet by and by. Shaking hands, get your songbook, page 468. Just keep on singing through another verse here. Get ready, shake hands. 468. Yes. 
Maybe seated. We're going to ask Terry and the kids if they'll come on now. Then he answered me, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then he'll answer you, and you'll know it is true. He'll say, I do. God for that. Amen. Are you glad to be saved tonight? Amen. Are you really glad to be saved? Terry, are you Amen. glad to be saved? Amen. Stand up and tell us about it. Tell us when you got saved. Tell us how glad you are to be saved. Yes. Right. Amen. Aaron, you glad to be saved? Stand up and tell us about it. I tell you, Aaron, if he don't make it as a preacher, he can make it as an MC. Go ahead, Glenn. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Glenn. you glad to be saved? Well, tell us about it. Amen. <laughs> Old Bob may not be a tall fella. I told him one time he's the only person I know of when he gets his pictures for his driver's license. You can see his feet on his picture on his driver's license. He's saved. 
Excited about it, amen. Steve Fletcher, you glad to be saved? Stand up back there and tell us about it. Get your preachers fired up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sure. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good to us, isn't he? Amen. Go ahead, Miss Eva. Amen. Praise the Lord. Robert Gerard, you glad to be saved? Lord save you when I was nine years old. Amen. Amen. Blessing to us. Amen. 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 I like Robert's little dance. I want to see him when he gets his new eyes over in glory when he does it. Amen. It's going to be great. What a wonderful joy it is just to be saved. Anybody else? I'm going to get started in a minute. Maybe somebody else just glad to be saved and need to tell someone about it. Praise the Lord. Yes. Sure. Amen. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we do thank the Lord for our children and all that we need to. Angel. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's in the saving business. Anyone else? Anyone else? Bless you, Tracy. <laughs> that's a blessing someone else I like this somebody else it's been so long some of you used to testify all the time you've got over it sure right praise the Lord Good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's your Irene. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, we will. Certainly will. Amen. 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 Joshua chapter 8. While you're finding your place, let me remind all the greeters and the ushers that I want to see you tonight for just a minute. It won't take me just a few minutes and uh, different things we're going to be doing. And if you'll meet me in the Couples for Christ uh, classroom tonight, right after the service, as soon as service, so if you'll go back there, then I'll have you out and have you home by at least a quarter to ten. So just as soon as service is over, I need to get with the greeters and the ushers for just a moment. Also, let me just share with you some of our plans uh, in the coming days. In fact, we began the process this week of getting ready for it and different things. Uh, we're real excited about how the Lord blessed last year and the things we were able to do. Of course, the addition on the front of the building. And uh, we, as we think and talk, set goals last year. We were astounded at the goals that God let us reach last year. We're just amazed at how He let us reach them and how quickly He allowed us to reach many of them. And then as we thought about this year and set our goals and discussed where we wanted to go and different things, uh, we just began to find and really pray where the Lord would have us to go. And in our planning and preparing, we, we look at a lot of different things. We look at things that are needful. We look at things we feel like are foundational. And uh, so a lot of things that we do, there's a lot of needs and things, and we try to get to them as we feel like it's the Lord's timing to do so. But as we think about what we need to do, how we need to do this, and even with our buildings and things, we're thinking about not just today, but we're thinking about tomorrow, thinking about the future. Because, listen, we are planning for growth. We thank God for the growth we're having, but we're planning for even larger growth, and we're getting ready for it. We feel like what we're doing right now is just, we feel like a lot of what we've done now for a number of years, and especially in the past two or three years, have been foundational. And we consider that when we think about the things that we're going to do. But one of the things we're going to be doing this year, and we're going to get started on it here very, very shortly, and it'll be the project for our Chest of Joash this year, which comes up in May. But we're going to go ahead and get started on it, and Chest of Joash will be to raise uh, the money for it as much of as we can. But a couple of things we want to do. One of the areas which we feel is needful and one of the areas which we feel is also foundational for future growth has to do with our nursery facilities. And uh, nurseries are very, very important in churches today and uh, more so today than they were 10, 20 years ago. And uh, you read any books about church growth and read anything about churches and different things. They are one of the nurseries and the child care and different things is a very, very important part. It's always list, listed as one major factor. Young couples is, is, is a group that we want to really focus upon and get them in, and nurseries are very, very important to it. And we have been sadly lacking in our nursery facilities for a long time. And so one of the things we want to do this year is to improve our nursery facilities. What we're going to do, and again, we have approached construction consultants to come in and do this. This is the same company that did the addition on the front. They did such a great job for us and such a uh, wonderful group to work with. And, and we've already had them over here. They would like bees climbing all over everything uh, Thursday and Friday, measuring, looking, and doing all this. And so they're already hard at work, already jumped, getting things laid out. 
But as you go back into the Sunday school buildings and you go down the middle building, the middle building, you got uh, uh, the new building and then you got this one, which is the middle and then one to the old auditorium, the original auditorium. It's right in the middle there. We're going to take that entire building through there and it's going to be completely redone. It may it possibly be totally stripped out and started all over from scratch and we're going to put in there, now let me emphasize this, first class, second to none nursery facilities. I told him, I said, look, we want the best. We don't, this is God's house, and we want to do the very best, and we don't want any uh, second to none anybody. I want mamas and daddies, when they walk back there, to just stop and say, wow. And uh, that's what we're going to do. That's one of the projects we're going to be doing, completely renovating the whole thing, putting in the toddler nursery like it ought to be, crib babies, sinks and the whole nine yards so that's one of the things that we're going to be doing because we feel like it's very very important to us and like i say what we try to do with the past few years is do it right and do it in such a way that it honors god and it's good but when we talk about nurseries we're not talking about just painting the wall and hanging winnie the pooh over in the corner we're talking about redoing it we're talking about putting in first class nursery facilities state-of-the-art nursery facilities so that's what we're going to get an amen there we're going to do that so, so all you young couples get to work for us now. We want to fill it up with babies. So all of you get to work for us. But uh, we're going to be doing that. Hopefully get that started here just right around the corner. And then one of the other things we're going to be doing, which will be a combined project, which we are doing, is the uh, alleyway that goes between our buildings here. We officially, of course, it's been an alley and a, uh, different things, but over through this other project, when we did the front out here, we were able to do some things which we were able to get this alley closed so we can actually build in that alley now. And what we're going to do is to close the alley, tie all the buildings together to serve for, meet several needs. One, uh, even though we added restrooms out here and we have... Uh, added those, we still need more restrooms. Like when you Sunday morning in the Sunday school buildings, they're lined up in the restrooms because basically all we got is what's out there. And then in the new building over here, when you come out and there's three or four stalls in there, so we need more restroom facilities. What we will do is as we tie all these buildings together here using the alley, it will provide additional restrooms for us. So as you flow out, there's restrooms there as well. And also, It'll meet a need that we have, and that is provide dressing rooms for our baptistry. Now, if you have been saved here and have been baptized, then you know the adversity that you go through here to be baptized. It is a trial to be baptized around here. It is an experience to be baptized around here. I think there's some folks up there that we have lost that were supposed to be baptized. And uh, it's, 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 it's terrible, tragic. But what this will do will allow us to have additional restroom space and have the kind of dressing facilities that we ought to have as a church for folks that follow the Lord in believers' baptism. So that'll provide it. But it'll also it'll eliminate, like when, when you come out all of our Sunday school, about 70% of all of our traffic flows out of Sunday school on Sunday morning, maybe 80%, will flow from the educational buildings into this building. And basically about 70% of the traffic finds its way through this little walkway right here. And because it is so narrow, it becomes a bottleneck. And others will swing out the door, come through, and by adding the awning out there, it got you out of the weather. But it creates a bottleneck here where the majority of our traffic comes through. With the new addition, where we tie the two buildings together, it not only gives us dressing facilities for the uh, babstery and be designed to where we do away with... Uh, 
There's those steep steps, and basically when somebody gets baptized now, we drop a winch down and we winch them up to the top. It is so steep. But it'll provide different, uh, altogether different way to access our baptistries, give us the restroom. But as it goes through, it's going to create an all-new entrance from the educational buildings flowing into the auditorium, feeding into the auditorium. And it'd be a beautiful lobby in there, just like similar, not, not what we did out front, but a beautiful lobby in there feeding from the educational buildings in here. And it'll give us a large hallway coming all the way through feeding into the auditorium so we're able to move people and we don't end up with the bottleneck there. So that is what we are projecting and that is or proposing to you. And uh, we'll raise the money for this like we have done for the other things. And we're getting all the drawings done now. And the more as we get to get everything, we'll let you know exactly how, it, how much will be involved in the cost of the things. But uh, what we're doing is this is our target. This is our goal for the chest of Joash. And what will be a little bit different this year is that you will actually see the work began before the chest of Joash. So you're going to be seeing what you're giving to this year. And uh, so... Uh, this is going to be great. It'll change everything uh, from our educational buildings in here, going to meet some needs, and also we believe it lays a foundation for a lot of things in the future. So we're excited about it. It's going to be a bigger project than we uh, did last year, but uh, we were so amazed at how God met the need for this particular project out here. And out of $145,000 all but $30,000 of that was given by the folks here at the church. Isn't that a blessing? And we thank the Lord for it, and we know you're going to do it. So what I want you to do now is start praying about it. In fact, if you, if you like the ideal, say amen. amen. If you don't, we don't want to know about it. That's the way we do business. All right? But uh, what I want you to start doing now is start thinking about it and start praying about your giving. We're months away from the actual offering, but I want you to start even now. Start preparing for it. In fact, in a few weeks, you'll begin to see work done. It'll take them a few weeks to get all the drawings and the permits and all those kind of things, but they are on it now and working on it, and will in the next just short time come and give us some examples and ideals of what they've come up with and, and, and different things, and then we'll get all the drawings and the permits, and then they'll actually start work on it. So uh, hopefully here over the next two, maybe three months, you'll actually see things begin to be uh, done. So we're excited about it. feel like it's going to meet a lot of needs that we have. And again, we're not only just thinking about right now, we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about everything and everything that we're doing. We're thinking about how we're going to be able to handle people, the crowds that we anticipate down the road, how to move them, how to get them from point to point, how to make everything functional and all like that, and to meet needs and and so we're like it. So we're really excited. We're excited about this and looking forward to it. So I want you to begin praying about it. In fact, if you want to give uh, some of that old money over there, it's drawn all that interest, won't you give it to the Lord? In fact, if you want to drop in a gift beforehand, it'll all go right into the building fund. If you want to give something every week, you can uh, to the building fund. Just mark it on the envelope. You have a place there. Mark it on the building fund. And I'm going to start giving something every week into the building fund because it's all going to be channeled right back into the project here. And, uh, but we thank the Lord to meet those needs. You'll like it. I know it's maybe hard to visualize. Some of you can grasp it. Maybe some of you really don't see the picture there. But uh, uh, you're going to like what will be done, and especially the mothers of our babies and different things. Like I say, we are going to have as nice of a nursery as you can have. Our nursery facilities and daycare, child care facilities, not daycare, but child care facilities are going to be what they should be. And so we're looking forward to it. And all of God's people said, amen. That, that amen, 
was a bid or a promise to give $1,000 apiece. I forgot to say that when I asked for the amen. Let's stand as we honor the reading of his word. Joshua 8. I want to talk to you, and I'm just going to give you two points from Joshua 8, the closing verses. And I want to ask you this question. Which mountain are you on? Which mountain are you on? Look at Joshua 8, beginning in verse 30. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. And, of course, last week we saw them winning the victory. We saw the place of their greatest defeat had become a place of their greatest victory. Now we continue gleaning from uh, this story of failure and this story of recovery. Verse 30, Joshua 8. The Scripture said, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel and Mount Abel. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any iron, and they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side the ark and on that side before the priests the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Gerizim and half of them over against Abal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the pe before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. Thank you. you may be seated. I want us to look tonight at the place that we find them. And I want to ask the question, which mountain are you on? Let's pray. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing for us, and we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And Father, we're excited about the things that you are leading us to do, how thrilling it is to be led of the Lord, and how thrilling it is as a church body to be led of the Lord. And Father, as we see your leading, and Lord, as you direct us to go these routes, that it encourages our heart to know that you are leading and you are working and you are taking us somewhere and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray now that you would do something in our hearts tonight through your word. Speak to us now and give us a word that will help us as we serve you. Father, I ask you now that as we continue looking at those who failed but yet gained victory, give a word tonight that will help them in all, all of our hearts and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things, amen. There are many wonderful things that God wants to do in the life of every believer. Do you believe that? There are many wonderful things that God wants to do for you, his children. And may I say there are many wonderful things that God can do in your life. It is not only what God wants to do in your life, but there is the matter of what God can do in your life. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. He wants to bless this church. 
And furthermore, God can bless you. And God can bless me. And He can bless our, the church. But I want you to understand tonight that it all depends. If God is going to bless our life and God is going to do something in our life, it all depends on the choice that we make. Choices are very, very important. I read not too long ago about two men and a youth. A gentleman by the name of Arnold Dobson and a fellow by the name of Harold Most and his son, Harold Jr. And all three of them perished in the blasting summer heat of the Death Valley area. Sheriffs, the sheriff deputies found their bodies 7, 14, and 17 miles from an abandoned car. And in leaving their stranded car to seek help, the three had tragically headed in the wrong direction, going toward a ranch house that they had passed 30 miles back. It was found that just a mile in the other direction, there was a grove of willows and a spring. They had made the wrong decision. And it was a tragic decision on their part. You see, decisions are very important in our life. And choices are very important. Again, God wants to do wonderful things in the life of every one of His children. And God can do wonderful things. But again, it all depends on the choice that we make. You see, what God does for us and what God does in us and what God does with us and what God does through us, simply depends on the choice that we make as a believer. You say, Brother Ken, what are you talking about? Well, in the closing verses of Joshua chapter 8, we are reminded of what God wants to do for us, and we're reminded that it all depends on the choice that we make. Now, let me just give you a little background and just remind you of where we have been. Joshua 7, Joshua chapter 8. You remember in Joshua chapter 7, there's a scene of failure there. Children of Israel had marched around Jericho. The walls of Jericho fell. Now in chapter 7, they, they began to move against Ai, and they are humiliated. They are defeated. And the reason was, chapter 6, chapter 7 brings out the reason, and it was because of sin in the camp. They had failed the Lord. The nation of Israel had sinned. Achan had, been, had sinned. And the result was God's power was removed, God's presence was removed, and God's protection was removed. They were defeated in Joshua 6, and it was revealed in Joshua chapter 7. But I'm glad tonight that failure need not be final, and failure need not be fatal. For when you come to Joshua chapter 8, they are victorious in the very place that they had been defeated. They overcome Ai. And God turned a place of defeat into a place of victory. God turned a place where they had failed into a place that he blessed them. That's the background. Now, the sequel to their victory and how God restored them, once their sin was confronted and once their sin was confessed and once their sin was cleansed and God gave them victory, then the sequel that followed is one that gives us a thrilling picture in all of the Bible. You find in the sequel that followed that Joshua brings the children of Israel 30 miles from Ai to the valley of Shechem. There is the mountain of Abal on one side. There is the mountain of Gerizim on the other side. And what happened there is a thrilling, thrilling scene in the Bible. There God gave them a wonderful object lesson. And an object lesson that reminded them that what he did for them 
What he wanted to do for them and what he could do for them depended upon the choice that they made as a child of God. Look at the story. I point out two things and I give them to you briefly. The first thing that I want you to notice is this. You find them in our text tonight at a place of dedication. You find them in a place of dedication. Now listen to me. Whenever there has been failure in our life, now let me just say this. The truth of the matter is we all fail the Lord every day. Am I not right? Some may fail in, 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 in worse ways than others, but the truth is we all fail the Lord. But when there is failure in our life, and when that failure has been confronted, and when that failure has been confessed, and when that failure has been cleansed, then it's, there is to always follow an act of dedication on our part. For you see, no sooner had God given them victory at Ai, then Joshua leads the children of Israel on a 30-mile march to the valley of Shechem, and there we find them once again dedicating themselves to the Lord. Now look at the chapter. You see their renewal and their dedication in two things. One, you see their dedication in the altar. Look at verse 30. The Bible said, then Joshua, Joshua 8, verse 30, then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Abel. Now, when you look at the Scripture, you'll find the Bible often talks about the altar. And you find many people in the Bible building an altar. And you'll find that the altar in the Bible was a place of adoration. It's where people came to thank God for something. And it was also a place of consecration. Sometimes it was a place of purification. But most of all, you'll find that in the Bible, someone coming to an altar... It was a place of adoration, and it was a place of consecration. For the children of Israel, it served both purposes. Their altar, we find being built in verse 30 there, served as a place of adoration. They came back, and they gave thanks to God for His mercy. They came back, they came to Shechem there and built an altar, and that altar was an altar of adoration as they thanked God that He hadn't thrown them aside. There they gave praise to God that He forgive, forgive, forgave them. There they gave thanks to the Lord that God in His mercy had blessed them once again. But not only was it a place of adoration, but it was a place of consecration. Do you see, God has forgiven them. God has restored them. And now what they're doing is once again, they are dedicated themselves to the Lord. I may I say to you tonight, you failed the Lord and we all failed the Lord. And there are times we get away from God. But we come to God, and if we confess our sins, He will forgive us of our sins. And God will bring us back into fellowship with Him. Now, when God forgives us of our sin, what follows? What follows on my part? What follows on your part? We give our life back to God. Is that not what we do? There is an altar. There is a place of dedication, a place where we renew our lives to God. He describes the altar. And he tells about the altar that was to be built. And it was to be built according to the law of Moses. It was to be an altar of whole stones uh, over which no man hath lift up any iron. They were not to get pretty stones. They were not to hew out their stones. They were not to carve out their stones and have a beautiful altar there. They were to get some big stones and large rocks and to build an altar. Because it was not what the altar looked like that was important, but it's what they did at the altar that was important. Notice what they did. Notice verse 31, the latter part of verse 31. What did they do at the altar? Look at the Scripture. 
They offered their own burnt offerings unto the Lord, and they sacrificed peace offerings. In other words, the altar was a place of sacrifice. It's where they came, one, there was a commanded offering, the burnt offering. But there was a voluntary offering, the peace offering. They came to God, and there was this act of adoration as, as shown in the peace offering. But there's this act of consecration as shown in the burnt offering. They had failed God. God had forgiven them, and now that they are forgiven, they are dedicating themselves to the Lord. Have you failed the Lord? Have you come to God? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? If you have, He's forgiven you. Aren't you glad for that? Say amen. Now, here's what you ought to do. You have come back to God. God has forgiven you. Now, somewhere, get you an altar. Somewhere, build you an altar. And before God, on your knees in front of that altar, here, somewhere, but come and give your life to God once again. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's what you do. It's an act of dedication. Look at verse 32. You find Joshua did something interesting. He took those stones, verse 32 said, and he inscribed upon the stones the law of Moses. Look at verse 32. Notice what the scripture said. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the people. Most believe that what he did on the stones is he wrote the Ten Commandments on the stones. But what he's doing is they're coming back now. God in his mercy has restored them. God in his mercy has forgiven them. Now there is an act of dedication. We might say rededication to God. They had given themselves to God before. Failed God. Now they've been brought back. And once again they stop. And they dedicate themselves to God. They offer sacrifices to the Lord. And once again, Joshua reminds the people that when you live for God, you live a life that is governed and guided by the Word of God. Now listen to me. If there has been failure in your life, and we do fail, but when we fail God, what we ought to do? We ought to come back to God, dedicate our lives to the Lord, and once again submit to the authority of the Word of God. You listen to me tonight. This Bible is more than a museum piece. You've heard me say that hundreds and hundreds of times. This is not a book just to sit around and to admire. This is God's Word. Every word of it from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 is the Word of God. And it is not just a book to sit around and admire as if it's an antique or a museum piece. It's a book to live by. And the way we live for God is to bring our life, life under the authority of what saith the Lord in the Bible. In other words, when you read in the Bible and it tells you to do something, you're supposed to do it. And when you read something in the Bible that tells you you're not supposed to do it, you're not supposed to do it. What they were doing, God or Joshua was reminding them, look, we follow the Word of God. We live by the Word of God. What are they doing in Joshua 8? There is a renewing of their commitment to God. There is a renewing of their life to God and the following of the commands of God. I remember several years ago when I was preaching up in North Dakota for Rick Bonds when he was serving up there in uh, North Dakota. I never been to North Dakota. So when I was going out there, instead of flying up, I drove up. And I drove through St. Joseph's, Missouri. I'd never been out there before. And I saw all these signs along the road. And whenever I travel, I see things or know about something here. I, if I want to see it, I'll just pull off and go in and visit whatever there. So I went through St. Joseph, Missouri. And I went through the Jesse James house. I want to see where Jesse James got shot. What a blessing that was. They go through the Jesse James house. And right there sitting on the hills, the Jesse James house, where 
Uh, that fella shot him in the back of the head or whatever it was. But I remember going through there, and a little old fella in there. Remember when he went in, he's sitting there at the counter reading his Bible. And he took me through and showed me a few things like that. But if you were to walk out in front of the Jesse James house, look down the street, there is the Pony Express Museum. I went through the Pony Express Museum. And, of course, you're familiar with the Pony Express. It was the first mail shuttle system in our nation. It was a service that began with 500 first-class horses, 190 relay stations along a 2,000-mile journey, and riders could weigh no more than 125 pounds. But here's what interested me and fascinated me when I went through the Pony Express Museum. They've actually taken the first stables and turned it into a museum. This is what fascinated me. I didn't know this until then. But every rider, he couldn't weigh more than 125 pounds, but every rider had to carry a Bible. Every rider on the Pony Express was given a Bible, and he had to carry that Bible with him as he delivered the mail. Not only was he given a Bible, but he had to make, take the following oath before he could ever be a rider in the Pony Express. Now, here's the oath every Pony Express rider had to say or swear to. I do hereby swear before the great and the living God that during my engagement, and while I'm an employee of Russell Majors and Waddell, I will under no circumstance use profane language, that I will drink no intoxicating liquors, that I will not quarrel or fight with any other employees of the firm. We ought to do that in a Baptist church. That'd be good to take. And that in every respect I will conduct myself honestly, be faithful to my duties, and so direct all my acts as to win the confidence of my employers, so help me God. I thought that was fascinating. Well, when I think about the children of Israel, here's what they were doing. They were coming back. It's like once again, they are coming before God. And they were saying, Lord, there was a day we lived for you, but we failed you. But in your mercy, you've let us come back. Now, Lord because we have been forgiven and restored we come before this altar and once again bow to you that by your help so help me God I'm going to live for you and honor you and glorify you that's what you ought to do you got away from God come back to God find you an altar and get on that altar and there make things right with God and dedicate your life to the Lord amen but there's something else you see not only you see the altar but second of all you see the ark look in verse 33 there is in verse 33, the first part, the Bible said, In all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side the ark and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now, here's what happened. The ark of the covenant was brought into the midst of the people and everybody surrounded the ark, and everybody looked in the direction of the ark. Now, you remember the ark, the ark of the covenant? The ark of the covenant is a symbol of the presence of God. And their actions surrounding the ark, looking directly to the ark and toward the ark, is an action that reminded them that first and foremost, and that which is to be front and center in their life, is God himself. Here's an altar. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. Lord, we failed you in the past. You brought us back. Now, God, once again, we dedicate ourselves to you. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Lord, we come once again to submit to the authority of your word. 
and they said in, in this essence and surrounding the ark and looking at the ark and putting it in the very middle there that, Lord, you are going to be center of our lives. That everything we do, we look to you. Everything about our life, our eyes are always going to be on you. Now, that's what you ought to do. When there is failure, failure in the past, failure tomorrow, what do you do with that failure? You get it right. You confront it. You confess it. And you get it cleansed. And then you get you an altar. And you give your life to God once again. You dedicate yourself to God. And you say to your God, I give you my life, and you're going to be the center of my life. I'll follow you. I'll do what you want me to do. My eyes are up on you. In other words, listen to me. God is to have more than a part in our life. He is to have the preeminence in our life. And failure is to be followed with a time of dedication. That's what they were doing. God gives them victory, and immediately Joshua takes them to Shechem. There they build an altar, and it becomes a place of dedication. But look at something else, and here's the heart of the story. It not only became a place of dedication, but it became a place of demonstration. In Deuteronomy 27, and we're going to turn there in just a few moments. In Deuteronomy 27, you have Moses' farewell speech. Moses is aware that he's not going to go over He's not going to get to enter in the land of Canaan. So in Deuteronomy 27, Moses is giving his swan song. Moses is giving his farewell speech, and he's sharing with the children of Israel what he wants them to know and what they need to know. And in Deuteronomy 27, as Moses gives his farewell speech, he gives them a command that involved the future. He gives them a command that when they got into the land of Canaan, there was something he wanted them to do. And there is something that he wanted them to carry out. And he even told them where he wanted it done. And he said, I want you to do this. And here's where we want you to do it. And Moses had, gave them this command. And what he was doing was giving them something. Or at a certain point when they got into land, he was going to give them a great object lesson that would remind them that when they got into land, why they got in the land and how they would stay in the land. And why they would conquer the land. And he gave them a great lesson, a great object lesson that would teach them and remind them of what God wanted to do in their lives, but it all depended upon what they wanted God to do in their life. Now look at the story. I want you to notice, first of all, where the people stood. Are you with me now? Follow me. are going to get good here in just a moment. Notice where the people stood. Notice this great object lesson. Verse 33, notice the latter part of it. Notice where the people stood. Verse 33, the Bible said, Half of them over, over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Abal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded them. Now, here's what is going on. Let me give you a little geography to help you understand the situation. The valley of Shechem runs east to west from the Mediterranean Sea toward the Jordan River. It's a beautiful green valley. Not a big valley. It's about 500 yards wide still to this day. And there's a beautiful stream that flows through the middle of it. On east or to the north and south are two mountains. To the north is Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim to the north is a rocky, barren mountain. Big, it's exquisite in one way, but it's just a big, rocky, barren mountain to the north. But to the south is Mount Abal, and it's totally different. It's a green, lush 
mountain covered with vegetation. And so you have these two mountains. There's a rocky barren mountain, which is Mount Gerizim. There is a uh, green lush mountain called Mount Abal. And right in the very middle is the valley of Shechem. Now at the command of Moses, this is what Joshua was to do. Joshua, God told, Moses told God, Joshua, he said, now when you get here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to divide the people. I want you to put half the people on Gerizim. I want you to put the other half on Abel. Deuteronomy 27 tells us that the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtalet were put on Mount Abel. The tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, which would be Ephraim and Matt, and Manasseh and Benjamin were put on Mount Gerizim. So over here, let's say this is Mount Abal. Over here is Mount Gerizim. Right in the middle is the valley of Shechem. Down in the valley there was Joshua, the priest, the Levites, the elders, the officers, and the judges. And all of them right in the middle is the ark, and they're all surrounding the ark. Everybody on this mount is looking down at the ark. Everybody over here is looking down at the ark. Joshua and all of them in the middle down there with the ark. They're all surrounding the ark and they're looking down at the ark. So picture these two mountains in your mind. Here's the children of Israel. Half of them over here, half of them over here on this mountainside. And right in the middle is Joshua. That's where the people stood. But second of all, I want you to not only see where the people stood, but I want you to notice what the people said. Look at verse 34. And afterward he read all the words of the law, and the blessings and cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. In other words, this is what Joshua did. And caused the way the mountains there and the valley runs through. It's a natural amphitheater. So half of them over here, half of them over here. Joshua and the officers right in the middle. And Joshua takes up the law of God. And he begins to read all the blessings that the law of God gives. And he begins to read all the cursings that the law of God gives. And the Bible tells us that the people were, resp- were commanded to respond in a certain way to the reading of the blessings and the reading of the cursings. Deuteronomy 27, 15. Look at it. It's up here on the screen. See the verse? How were the people to respond? The Bible said in Deuteronomy 27, 15, And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Now before they ever got there, this is what Moses told Joshua to do. So they're there. So Josh puts half over here, puts half over here, gets in the middle, and he reads the blessings and the cursings, and the people respond to the reading of the blessings and the cursings by saying, Amen. Now let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let me help you see what I'm talking about. Let's take this this place here tonight. Let's say right over here. Let's look over here. You folks right here are Mount Abel, all right? You're Mount Abel. Right down here in the middle... Robert, me, and you, we're going to be Joshua and the priest. I think we fit that category, don't we? Amen. So right down here, all of you are officers. But over here, all of you folks right over here, you're Mount Gerizim. You're Mount Abel. You're Mount Gerizim. You're officers. All the rest of you over there are Canaanites. You don't have anything to do with what God's going to do. All right? All you folks in the balcony, you've already gone to heaven. And ain't but nine people in heaven tonight. Amen? But look, Mount Abel... Mount Gerizim. Now take your Bible and turn to Deuteronomy 27. Let me show you what happened. Let me show you what they did. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Get your Bible. And I want you to look at it. Let's go over here to Mount Abel. Or to Mount Gerizim. That's the first one. 
Look in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Look down in verse 15. Now you get the picture here. Let's go over here to Mount Abal. I'm going to read the cursings now. I'm going to read the cursings. You're up here on this mountain, all of you. And I'm going to be Joshua. Verse 15 said, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molden image, an abomination of the Lord, the works of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Oh, you can do better than that. I'm sure Joshua said, Now speak up. This is God's word. But you get the picture? Now, follow me, folks, over here. All of you up here on the mountain of cursing. Cursed, verse 16, be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. You're doing better. But you act like you're about to be cursed. Now, come on, you do better now. Verse 17, cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. And all the people shall say, Cursed be he that perverted the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. And he went on and on and on, reading the cursings. And as Joshua read the cursings, as he read each one of them, this mountain over here shouted, Amen. Now let's go over here to Mount Gerizim. Go to chapter 28, verse 2. It's a little different. It doesn't have the same words, but the same thing happened. Mount Gerizim over here. We're going to read the blessings of God. And all these blessings shall come on thee. And overtake thee if thou shalt hearken in the voice of the Lord thy God. And all the people shall say, Amen. And blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. And the people shall say, Amen. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. And the people on this mountain say, Amen. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. And the people of God shall say, Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. And the people shall say, Amen. That's what went on. All the blessings and all the cursings. One over here, one over here. And as he read the cursings, the people said, Amen. As he read the blessings, the people of God said, Amen. And he read them all. You know what God was doing? God was giving them an object lesson. God was giving them in a dramatic fashion a wonderful truth of God. He said to the cursings and said in the blessings in Deuteronomy there that if you obey me, then I'll bless you. If you do what I tell you to do, then I'll bless you. And he names those blessings. He tells them how he'll bless their life. But he said, if you don't follow me and you don't live for me, then I'll not bless you. And you'll lose all of these things. And all that I curse you with, I'll not be able to give to you. And you'll suffer because you disobey me. He gave them an object lesson. I want to do this for you. I can do this for you, but it all depends on your choice. I'll do this if you do what I tell you to do. I'll bless you if you follow me. I'll use you if you follow me. It gave them a choice. It gave them a demonstration and reminded them, look, my blessings are yours, but it all depends on who you live for and what you live for. Now, let me ask you this tonight, and I'm about through. Which mountain are you on tonight? God wants to do something in your life. Do you believe that? God wants to do something for you, and God wants to do something for all of us. He wants to do something for this church, and He can do something for this church, but it all depends on what we want to do. And it all depends on your choice. Are you going to live on the mountain of blessing? Are you going to live on the mountain of cursing? 
It all depends on whether or not you want God to bless your life. You want Him to bless your life? Then He's promised you over and over again, I'll do this for you, and I'll bless you, and I'll bless you, and I'll bless you, and I'll bless you. It all depends on which mountain you choose to get on. I don't know about you, but I thank God that on a July the 12th, back in 1972, I got over here on Mount Gerizim. I got over here where God was blessed. I made my choice. And I said, Lord, this is the mountain I want to live on. God wants to bless you. But it all depends on whether or not you want him to bless you. And if you'll let him bless you. I want you to do this tonight. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I'm not just trying to get you coming out, but I want you to do something tonight. I want you this right down here. Imagine your mind. This is God's mountain of blessing. And when we sing tonight, I want you to get out of your seat. may have been a long time since you got on your knees in the altar, but you need to do it. And you need to get out of your seat and walk down here and say, Dear God, once again, once again, I make my choice to be blessed of God. Once again, I want to honor you. Once again, I want to serve you. Lord, I make my choice. I want to be blessed of God. Will you do that tonight? Just like they did. They had a time of renewal. They had a time where they drew them together and said, Let's get this, dedicate ourselves to God once again. Let's yield to the authority of God's word and let's follow God and let God bless our life. Father, in Jesus' name, before us, every day of our life is a choice. There's a choice tonight. There was a choice in the past. There'll be a choice in the morning. There'll be a choice through the day. Every day of our life, there's choices we have to make. And those choices depend on whether or not you bless our life. And you were saying to the children of Israel, now I brought you here. Now this is what I'll do for you if you'll follow me. If you'll make the choice to follow me, then I'll bless you. But if you don't, then I'll not bless you. And you'll reap the consequences of not following me. God, we're all faced with that choice. Tonight I pray that this altar will become an altar. It'll be a time, a service where folks once again just come before you and dedicate themselves to you. And tonight, Lord, that once again we'll say by the help and by the grace of God, I want to be blessed to the Lord. I choose this day to honor God in my life and to follow God and serve Him. Father, do that for us tonight. Let it be a service. Lord, Lord, you know my heart. I'm just trying, not just trying to get people to come. But God, there's times when we all just, all just say, I want to once again, once again, once again, dedicate my life to God. Once again, I want to choose to be blessed of the Lord. Let it be here tonight. Let this, let this entire congregation make a choice of being blessed of the Lord. May we as a congregation make the choice. We want to follow God. We want to be blessed of the Lord. So speak to us now in Jesus' name, and we'll bless you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.